The lengthening shade had dissipated the intense afternoon heat. Since our farmer meeting would be over dinner, we had time to visit the coffee lands high above town on the slopes of the Atitlan volcano. The altitude, along with the volcanic soil and the incredible husbandry of the farmers, accounts for the unique taste and high quality of the coffee from this region. The road became less passable as we rode higher. Along the margins, men and women carried large sacks of red coffee cherries on their backs, supported by straps across their foreheads. Almost all of the people wore traditional traje. Occasionally, kids would lead a donkey down the road with four or six sacks balanced on its back. The farmers would carry these sacks for as much as three hours to reach a local weighing station for their group. There, they would get a receipt for the weight of the cherries. They would present the receipt for a payment of two or three cents per pound at their group office in town. This was an advance against the ultimate sale of the processed beans. The harvest had not started in earnest, so these cherries would be from the lowest altitudes and would not be the highest quality. We stopped at one of the weighing stations to talk to Marcos, a member of the board of directors. Marcos backed one of the farmers up to a hanging scale. He put a big hook through the sack, and the farmer loosened his head strap. The sack hung suspended while Marcos took down the weight from a rusting spring dial. No thumbs here. Diego and I loaded this and six other sacks into the pickup and drove on. We passed the newly rented hillside and watched a dozen farmers digging out weeds and clearing small patches among some ancient hardwoods. Other farmers were planting bananas and papayas to give the young coffee plants needed shade. They planted pumpkins, beans, and squash to fix nitrogen into the soil around their coffee plants and to supplement their tables or income. Others carefully placed the seedlings into their holes, composting deeply with rotted manure, leaves, and grass clippings. We drove on to the established plots further up. Here the broad-leaved hardwoods stood forty feet tall, dwarfing the human-sized mature coffee plants. Their leaves floated down like paper plates, covering the soil against weed invasion and providing nutrition as they decomposed. Diego looked up at the sound of a Baltimore Oriole. Listen, Dean, he strained his eyes to find the bird. There he is. That one comes from your part of the world. He's a typical tourist. He flies down here, eats our food, enjoys our land, and shits on us. <laughs> Diego laughed at his own joke. Did you hear about the new Smithsonian program to certify farms as migratory bird habitat? I asked. Yeah, one of those guys came down here to tell us about the birds we've been living with all our lives. We know all that stuff, and he told us some things. But we're not going to pay money to that museum to tell the world what we already know. Well, I think the broker or importer pays the licensing fee, not the farmer. Diego gave me a, don't you know anything look? Dean, you know if the importer has to pay something extra, he figures out a way to pass it on to us. Diego, not all brokers and importers are like that. He laughed. No, just nine out of ten.